Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. verse number 9, and then we're also going to read from Isaiah chapter number 54 and verse number 1. I want to thank God this morning for what He did at our church already this morning. We're two hours ahead of you, and uh, they just texted me some pictures and two brand new people in the altars and got the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name this morning. So we want to thank God for that. Thank God for that. Psalms 113 and verse number 9 said, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Isaiah 54 and verse number 1 says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. I want you to notice the first phrases of that verse. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. And I want to talk to you today on this subject. If we're going to have a title today, I want to talk to you about this. I'm still singing the same old song. Still singing the same old song. You may be seated today. Songs are funny things. They get stuck in our heads and they begin to... Uh, play themselves over and over and over there I remember songs that I heard when I was growing up and you know I was born and raised in the church but there was always certain kinds of music you know that we weren't supposed to listen to and I've forgotten a lot of the church songs that we sang growing up but I've never forgot them songs I wasn't supposed to hear and I'll be in a shopping mall or somewhere and and that that song will come on and before I know what I'm doing I'm snapping my fingers and humming along because songs get stuck in your head if you don't uh Believe that today, if I was to ask you, do you know your ABCs? I'm almost guaranteeing you would start off singing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They used a song to teach you your ABCs. They used songs to teach us Bible verses. Songs are, they they help us. They, They ingrain in our minds and allow us to remember things almost by default. And when I think of this and the the verses that we read this morning, the power of a song is always uh, enunciated in Scripture. Uh, In one place when they called for a prophet to give a word before they were heading out to battle, uh, he said, well, before I give a word from the Lord, I wonder, is there anybody here that could sing a song? And, you know, when we came into church this morning, we didn't just start off with a word. We started off with worship and with a song because there's something about a song that prepares your heart for what comes next. And uh, eventually... I believe that the receiving of the blessings that we get from God a lot of times depends on how we live before the blessing comes. And the lifestyle that we exhibit, the songs that we sing, as it were, have a lot to do with what we will receive from God in the end. The ability to continue to sing even when you seem like you've lost your song can have a lot of bearing on God's ability to meet your need. If you don't believe that he can and you've lost your song in the midst of trials and tribulations, it's going to be hard to, for your faith to pick up when God begins to move. But if we can sing the same song regardless of where life finds us, I think that it's important. It's, it's, a, it's, it's something that pulls us through the dark nights of life. 
uh, the, the old song says, uh, you can have a song in your heart in the night. After every trial, after every mile. Anyone can sing when the sun is shining bright, but you can have a song in your heart in the night. And I'm glad for many times in my life when I've been going through night seasons that I've been able to have a song that God was able to give me. It's a, but if you can learn to sing the song when the sun is shining, then it helps to remember it when the darkness comes. And this morning, I, I just want to tell you, you don't need to change songs when things go wrong. Just continue to sing the same old song. There are people that will complain because your song doesn't change. But if it's a good song, then it'll keep you through many dangers, toils, and snares. It's one thing to sing after barrenness has been lifted. But when I read these verses today in Isaiah, he said, Sing, O barren, and thou that didst not bear. He did not give her permission to not sing because she had not yet born a child. He said, Sing even though barrenness is still the biggest factor in your life. Barrenness in the scriptures was usually it was a it was a it was a sign of a curse. Many things was it wasn't good to be barren. It, the family name being passed on was important, and and if you were barren, it left you in a a very bad position. But when he said sing, old barren, he was saying don't just because everything's not perfect, you don't get to not sing. You don't get to not worship just because things have taken a downturn. You don't get not to show up to church just because something happened or someone offended you. You've got to sing no matter what happens. You've got to sing even when barrenness has still affected your life. The importance of singing through every circumstance is, I can give you an example today. If you have ever flown, uh, you get on an airplane and there's always a stewardess or a, a flight attendant there who always goes through the same little routine on every flight. And it doesn't matter how many times they have flown, how many flights they have been on. They always continue to do the same thing every time. They take out their little book, their little pamphlet from the back of the seat, and they show you where all the exits are. They show you where the oxygen mask falls down from the ceiling. They show you how to fasten your seatbelt like you've never been in a car before. And they just go through the... And you know what they call that? They call that doing the dance. Because law requires them to do it. It doesn't require anybody to listen. It doesn't require anybody to watch them, but it requires them to do it anyway. How many, I mean, how discouraging would it be to be going through all those motions and the guy sitting right there by your hand has got noise-canceling headphones in his ear and he's reading a book? But it doesn't matter if he's not listening. You still have to do the dance. And living for God, sometimes it doesn't matter if nobody's listening. It doesn't matter if nobody else appreciates what you're doing. There's value in just simply doing the dance, just simply singing your song because it's required of us. We need to continue to sing. That there's things that they don't tell you when they're doing the dance. When they tell you that if, you know, if if the pressure drops in the cabin, you reach up and you pull down on that little tail and it'll feed oxygen to you. They don't tell you how that happens. But it happens because there's a little canister up there like a grenade. And when you pull on your cord, it pulls the pin out of the grenade. And it begins to have a chemical reaction that creates oxygen that allows you to breathe for 15 or 20 minutes in low pressure. And while that's happening, the, the temperature in the ceiling on that grenade canister thingy, that's a Canadian word, I guess, the canister thingy, it gets to be over 500 degrees. But she doesn't explain that to you when she's telling you, pull on the cord and put the mask over your nose. Because she's not into telling you the how. She's just telling you the why. And the man that wrote the article where I got some of this information, he was relating about being on an airplane, and he said he had flown 
every week of his life for several years on business. He said he never really thought he paid any attention to the woman who was doing the dance. But he said one day he was on an airplane that made an emergency landing. And he said when, it, when, when the pilot came on and said we were experiencing some problems and the air mass dropped down from the ceiling, he said all of a sudden we all grabbed our masks and put them on. And we all looked stupid and we all looked ridiculous, but nobody cared because we listened to the dance even though it seemed like it was in the back of our mind and, and we really weren't paying attention. By rote, we remembered, put that over your nose. And it didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter. All that mattered was it enabled us to survive the circumstances. And I want you to know today, I don't have the answer for all of the hows that's going to happen in your life. But I am here to tell you there is a why. And when you go through circumstances, if you can learn to worship in spite of circumstances, there is a why. There, there may not be an explanation, but you won't care how ridiculous it looks to wave your hands, how ridiculous it looked to dance and to run the aisles when you survive your circumstance because of the song that you learned to sing when, when things were not right. The need for being faithful cannot be overemphasized. There are times in our life when we would like to be unfaithful because it would please our flesh a whole lot more. It would be way easier to just slip to the back of the church and not enter in in worship. It would be easier to not be friendly with church people. Who offends you more than the people you go to church with? Now, I don't know, maybe it's not like that here, but man, people in the church get more offended by other church people than they ever do by people that don't go to church. And so it's easy to come to church and if you're offended, well, I'm not going to worship as long as he's worshiping. Hey, it don't matter what he's doing. All that matters is I come here with a song. And because I have a song, I am going to go ahead and sing. I'm going to sing it. I'd like to relate to you today a story. If you have your Bibles, you can kind of follow along with me. But we're going to talk about a woman from 2 Kings chapter number 4. And beginning at verse number 8, it tells the story uh, of... Elisha and as he passes by the house of a woman in a place called Shunem and as he was passing by I, I want to read verse number 8 and I'm not sure we'll read all these verses but we'll pick our way down through just a little bit uh, it says and it fell on a day as Elisha passed to Shunem that there was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread and so it was that as oft as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread now I like it that the Bible says she was a great woman now, it would be wonderful to me if it said she was a great woman once she had had a, a child. But even though she was in a state in her life where she was barren, the Scripture still says she was a great woman. I think part of what made her great is that she wasn't waiting for everything in her life to be perfect before she reached out to help other people. I, I think that she was great because she was perceptive that other people have needs. Just because I'm hurting doesn't mean that no one else is hurting. Just because I'm hungry doesn't mean that no one else is hungry. Just because I'm barren doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't need to be sustained. And many times we, we turn inward in our barrenness. When really, if we really want to be great while we're yet barren, we've got to turn outward. We've got to reach out. There's nothing that will make you... I've told our church many times at home, if, if, you're, if you're struggling, the best thing you can do, go find somebody that needs Jesus. Introduce him to somebody. Get involved in teaching them a Bible study. Because what you're doing is you're becoming great even in the midst of your trouble. Because you've learned to get past your personal. If you can't ever get past your personal, you're going to be a very lonely person. Because there's one thing I've discovered. Nobody really wants to hear about your troubles. 
It don't matter if you're married to them. They don't want to hear about your troubles. Nobody likes to hear you talk about them. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to hear about your troubles. And sometimes the only one you can talk to about it is Jesus. And so we pushing through barrenness is something that we all have to learn how to do. There's, it doesn't matter if you're born and raised in church. It doesn't matter if you've only been here for a week. If this is your first service. Every one of us goes through times in life when we just feel absolutely barren. There's, there's nothing happening in our life. You're, it, the job is a dead end. The marriage feels like it's a dead end. The children are going crazy. Wife's going crazy. Barren. But you can still have victory in barrenness. But we've got to get beyond ourselves. And so the Bible says in this verse that we read, it starts out saying these words, it fell on a day. How much what happens to you could just fit that description? It just seems so random. It just fell on a day. Went out to start the car and the car wouldn't start. It just fell on a day. The, I went to balance the bank statement and man, I'm $500 in the hole. It just happened on a day. Life is random like that. Life just hits us without any preparation. It comes at us out of nowhere. And being able to sing through those moments will help keep us living in peace. Now this woman that, that we read about today, she was a woman with a huge hole in her life, but not a huge hole in her character. She was able to get beyond her personal problem and to help someone else. Other women in the Bible that we read about them being barren, we find that they became great once their barrenness was taken away. We read about Samson's mother. She was barren, but she became a great woman when she gave birth to Samson. We read about the patriarch's wives and their struggles to conceive. They became great in childhood. But this woman, she didn't wait until she got what she desired. She became great in the midst of barrenness. I think this is something that we all have to strive for. We all have to strive to be fruitful. Joseph, when he named his children, he, he named his first son, God has made me to forget my past. But he named his second son, God has made me fruitful in the land of my captivity. Everything's not perfect here, but God still has found a way to make me fruitful. And wherever you are today, I'm telling you, you don't have to be bound to your circumstance. We can worship above and beyond and through those things to eliminate our barrenness. The ability to pray in the Spirit takes time. And sometimes when we... Uh, see things of value that come up in our lives like this woman said she saw this man of God go by and she said to her husband she said I perceive that this is a holy man of God and we need to build a room on the side of the house for him she engaged the rest of her family in making room for something that was valuable I've, I've had many people ask me you know boy I'd like to have a prayer life but I can't just get a prayer life I said no you can't just get a prayer life if you're going to get a prayer life you have to pray I've had many people say, well, I'd love to read the Bible through in a year. I said, well, are you reading your Bible? Well, no, not really. You'll never get through it in a year if you don't start. And when she said, I need to build a room, you've you got to start somewhere. It's going to take some effort to get through it. But if you want to get past your barrenness, start building for somebody else. When you come in the door, if you're in trouble, don't worry. There's people here that need Jesus. You've already experienced salvation. Maybe they have not. So when we come, I don't want to withhold my worship because I'm in trouble. I want to worship to give room for them to get a chance to experience what I've experienced in my life so that I can become fruitful even though I am barren. I want my song to be the same. She, she did this without any hope of having a child. In fact, there came a day when uh, the prophet, they, he's enjoyed her hospitality and he came to her and he said, what can I do for you? And, and her answer to him has always 
I, I, I like it. She said, she didn't say, I don't want anything. She didn't say, I don't need anything. She simply answered him with these words. He said, what can I do for you? And she said, I dwell with my own people. Which was kind of a weird response to, can I do anything for you? But when you go and check it out in other translations, this is what she actually said. I'm very happy dwelling with my family. Spoken by a woman who really has no family. She's barren. All she has is a husband. But she's a great woman. And she's learned how to look beyond her current circumstance. She said, I'm helping other people. That's really all I need. And in helping other people, I'm happy to just dwell with my own little family. It's one thing to be happy with a family all gathered around the Thanksgiving table, the Christmas table, and we're having a great time together. But it's another thing when you're barren to still be happy with the situation God's put you in. It, it, it takes somebody who has learned to get beyond the personal. And so after she goes away, the servant looks at the prophet and says, well, you know, I know she says she doesn't want anything, but, but I'll tell you, I've noticed she doesn't have any children. And so the prophet said, well, go and, go and get her. And he tells her, in the, in the time of life, you're going to bring forth a son. And, you know, her response to him then, she didn't go all crazy. Instead, she says, man of God, don't lie to me. She left off the holy part there. Almost like I've heard this before. I've been to them services where they told me it was going to happen and nothing's ever happened. So you know what? I didn't ask for a child. I've learned to get beyond my barrenness, so don't tease me with an answer now. Don't, don't, don't tempt me. Don't, don't try to draw me in with a, a promise of something that's never going to happen. Don't lie to me. But according to the time of life, the Bible says she got a child. And we know the story. She uh, had the child, and again, it fell on a certain day, the Bible says, that he was out in the field. And he was working with his father. He was involved in the harvest. And, and he grabs his head and my head and my head. And they carried him in and they put him on his mother's lap. And the Bible tells us that while he was there, he died. She gets up. She carries him upstairs and lays him on the prophet's bed. And she sends a message to her husband and says, Get one of the young men to saddle me a donkey. I'm going to go and see the prophet. And when she said that, his response to her wasn't, how is the boy? What do you need to do? He said, why would you go see the prophet? It's not the new moon or the harvest. It's not the Sabbath or the new moon. What do you need a donkey for to go to the prophet? And her response back to him was this, all shall be well. All was well when she was barren. All was well when she had the child. And now that he's dead and lying on the prophet's bed, and he said, what do you need to go to church for? She said, all is well. The circumstances have gone through a complete 360, 180. But her song hasn't changed. She, it was well when she was barren. It was well when she was expecting. It was well when he was born. And now it's well when he's dying. How does she manage this? Because she has learned how to be great in the middle of every circumstance. The song can't change no matter the circumstance. And so she, he, he brings her a donkey and she, she saddles up and she's riding away with the servant. And I can, I, I, my imagination kind of goes crazy sometimes, but I can see her riding the donkey full tilt. I guess she probably had spurs on her sandals there. She's hitting, the, hitting that donkey because she's in a hurry to get to the prophet. And the, and the servant who's riding with her says, well, 
What's the rush? We know he's already dead. She said, no, it shall be well. And again, my imagination, I, I can hear her humming a little song. And he what's that song you're humming? I, I remember that song. She said, well, you should because I've been humming it for years. It hasn't changed just because my child is dead. We have some families in our church whose children have walked away from God. And I have watched them as they've come to church and continued to worship just like they did while their children were in church. And I told them the secret is that when we can sing the same song, I can't get down in the mouth because things have not turned out the way I planned. Nobody expects that to happen. The prodigal's father never planned for that event, but he continued to sing the same song. And in your life today, I don't know what you're going through, but I'll tell you, if you will just sing the same song that you sang in the sunshine when God was blessing you with all kind of blessings and you were able to worship Him and give Him the praise, when things turn down and things in life go sideways, if we'll just continue to give Him the praise and the worship, I'm going to tell you, He will pull us through deep waters. He will carry us through the fire. He may not protect us from the furnace, but they said we can sing the same song in the furnace that we sang when we what, I don't know if he's going to but I know that he's able to do it and in the singing of the song God will walk with you through the fire at no time did she ever have the promise that he would be recovered but she said I was happy before he came and I'll be happy regardless of how this turns out but her perception of the need to be in service was so much different than her husband's you know I've seen so many people come to church and and in, in a church this size, I know it must happen too. But people come for all different reasons. Some people come only because it's Sunday. Some people came because it's the new moon. Going to start over today. And some people come just because when the church doors are open, I don't know where else to be. It doesn't matter if it's Sabbath or new moon. I, the church doors are open. I don't know where else. It's church. I've got to be there. Why? Because I'm singing the same song. I sing it not just on Sunday, but I sing it on Monday too. And, and when I get on the job and the boss gives me a hard time, I sing the same song that I sang on Sunday morning. When the chorale was singing, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give the same worship to God. On Tuesday when the car won't start, I'm going to praise Him with the same song. Why? Because God hasn't changed. My circumstances may go through the highs and the lows of life, but God doesn't change. So my song has got to stay the same. I may sometimes lose the words, but I don't ever want to lose the melody. And Paul wrote in one place, it says, uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you, when you sing those songs to yourself, you're giving thanks to God. I sing to an audience of one, and it's a good thing sometimes because... Not a great singer, but when I begin to enter into his presence, David said you don't ever come with, without opening your mouth. When you come in the gates, when you come in the doors, you've got to come with thanksgiving and praise. There, there's got to be a song. There's got to be a song. Uh, many years ago, I read a story in a Max Lucado book about a, a lady who had a parakeet. And she said that one morning while she was... Uh, cleaning the parakeet's cage. She thought she would speed the process up a little bit and she went and got the vacuum cleaner. And while she was cleaning out his cage, the telephone rang and she jumped to answer the phone and, and when she did, the, the hose of the vacuum cleaner kicked off to the side and it grabbed this little parakeet. His name was Chippy. And it sucked him right up into the vacuum cleaner. 
and it said that when she saw what had happened, she quickly hung up the phone and she, she raced over to the vacuum cleaner and she tore open the bag and she said there was Chippy inside the bag and he was all covered with dirt and, and she panicked and she rushed him over to the kitchen sink and she turned the faucet on full blast and she jammed Chippy underneath the water and she's ruffling his feathers and trying to get all the dust off of him and, and when she got all done, she looked and she said he was standing in her hand and he was shivering and, and shaking and looking all scared so she thought he needs to be dried really fast and she ran him into the bathroom and, and she reached under the counter she pulled out the hair dryer and she turned it on full blast and she and she's drying off Chippy as best she can and said finally when she was all done he seemed to be perfectly well and she put him back in the cage and one of her friends called the newspaper and told about this story and so a reporter came to the house and said wow did this really happen and she goes through the whole long story with him and when he finished the story the reporter said now I just have one question is how is Chippy doing she said well Chippy seems to be fine she said he's just there's just only one thing that's changed. She said he, he sits there all day in his cage on his perch and he just stares straight ahead. He used to sing all the time, but it seems like in the vacuum cleaner, Chippy lost his song. Well, I would lose my song too, I do believe. Sucked up in a vacuum cleaner, jammed under running water, and then blow dry a little bird. But you know, nowhere do I read where we ever have the right in circumstances to change our song. When the children of Israel came through the Red Sea, the Bible says when they came out the other side, they sang a song, a song of victory. And when they were carried into captivity, there came a moment when it said that they that kept us captive required of us a song. But how could we sing the Lord's song in a strange country? I want you to know today, it doesn't matter what country you're in. God still delivered them from the Red Sea. He still delivered them out of Egypt. And just because circumstances have changed, we've still got to sing the same song. How will strangers hear the word if we don't sing the song? The people that we work with are not here today, but they'll hear the song we sing tomorrow. The people in your family that have never met Jesus, they're not here today, but they'll hear the song that we sing when we get together with them. And if we hang our harps on the willows and we refuse to sing because we're caught in circumstances, then we shortchange the strangers that need to hear our song. This woman went to the prophet to talk about her son. But she didn't go there. I don't believe that she went with any... I, I believe she thought that the, she, her circumstances were going to improve. Because... If you read through scripture, there's only a few times, there's actually, uh, well, a few times where people were raised from the dead. It's, it's not a real common occurrence. You know, 100 out of 100 people always dies. Dying is pretty common. Being resurrected is not that common at all. But I found something about resurrection that kind of intrigued me. God never raises anyone from the dead to leverage belief out of them. Not one time did he ever raise anyone from the dead so that other people would believe. He only ever resurrected someone if the people that were close to that person already believed. When we read the story of a man named Lazarus, the Bible says he, there was a rich man and there was Lazarus and, and Lazarus died and was carried into Abraham's bosom and, and the rich man died and he was buried and he woke up and found himself in hell. And when he looked and saw, he said, you know, send him back that he would preach to my brothers so that they don't come to this place and the response that Abraham gave was if they don't believe one who's already alive they have Moses and the prophets they are not going to believe though one would rise from the dead 
He said, I'm not going to perform some miraculous turning upside down of death just for the idea that maybe somebody will believe. He said, they wouldn't believe that kind of a miracle. But there was another man named Lazarus who died. And when Jesus showed up there, they said, we wish you'd have been here and our brother had not died. Jesus said, well, he'll live again. And their response was not, no, we don't believe in the resurrection. Their response was, yes, we know he will live again. But in a different time. But Jesus was able to work through the death of the situation because the people believed ahead of time. You know, it's one thing to to look at something that's happened and say, I knew that was going to happen. It's another thing to look at it a few days in advance and say, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Jesus, does. he's not in the business of performing miracles to make us believe. But he will reward your belief with a miracle. If you're praying for prodigals here today, I got that on my mind because we've got one that's, he's thousands of miles from home, but he's going to church this morning. And they called and requested prayer for him. But a few weeks ago, I, we preached a message at home about mothers getting together and praying for their children. And, and that day, he, his son had been estranged from him for several years. They hadn't even spoken. It was a very nasty situation. And that morning after I preached that message, he said he went home. And on Monday morning when he got up to pray, he said he went out into the living room and there was a picture of his son. And he said he picked it up and he laid hands on the picture. And he began to pray. And he said he felt the Holy Ghost. And within a couple of weeks, his son called and said, listen, we've got to make some things right. And he paid his way to fly clear across the country. All expenses paid vacation. Come out and visit with us, be with us. And this morning, he's in church. This ha- they just got home on Wednesday. And he's in church this morning. I'll tell you, but they came to church singing the same song. Just because he was not in the church, they still sang the same song. They didn't give up because things weren't going well. Instead, they said, hey, in the middle of all of this, I'm still going to lay hands on his picture because I still believe that God is able to do it. I don't know how he's not here for me to see him every day. He's not here for me to pray with his children. He's not here for me to invite him to church, but we'll still pray. And in the middle of all them circumstances, God still is able to perform miracles. Why? Because somebody kept on singing the same song. The same song. Wherever we're finding ourselves today, wherever you are in life, I think that we need to remember the song that we got when God first found us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. This is not something that we are just guessing at. This is is something that we know. And just because we don't see him doesn't mean he's not there. There's nothing that ever gives us the right to stop singing. There's an old Chinese proverb that simply says this. The bird does not sing because he has an answer. The bird sings because he has a song. And today I I can promise you I don't have a lot of answers. There's been so many things that have happened in life that I I don't have the answers to. But I'm glad I've never lost my song. I'm glad that I've never reached a place where, where I was not able to continue... Sometimes I forgot some of the words, but I didn't forget how to hum the melody. And sometimes in heartbreak and in trouble, it's, it's easy to just back away, to not give God our very, very best. But I'll tell you, God will still give you a song even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. I believe today that God has answers for each and every one of us. 
But our perception sometimes of why we should continue to sing needs to have some adjustment made. In the same house, there can be people who have completely different opinions of how we ought to proceed. I've seen people, man, you try to get them a job and you can't get them a job good enough for them to want to work at it. And I've seen other people, man, they will do absolutely anything. We have a young man that just started coming to our church and I, he told me, he said, I want to work. I got to work. I said, well, man, I'm proud of you for, for wanting to get a job. That's awesome. It's not common, but it's awesome. And he said, well, he said, I, I'll tell you, he said, I have this one thing. I said, what's that? He said, I have an aversion to starving. I don't like starving. I, I like food. And so I don't mind working because I don't want to starve. But you know the job that he's doing, other people would look at this and say, man, I could not work at that. People will go to work at the same place. and Man, there's nothing but that guy, he's just so much politics at this place. Every, if you want to get ahead, you've got to brown nose with the boss and you've got you to be, you know, be the boss's pet. And somebody else just shows up and says, you know what? I'm just glad I got a job. This buys me a cheeseburger twice a day. I'm glad to have a job. And it's all in the perception that they have about the job. It's got nothing to do with the job. It's about the perception. And church, honestly, is no different. People will come to church and everybody has their own perception of church. Some people come because God's been so good to me. How could I not be here? And somebody else will say, well, I got to go because my mom and dad make me. And on the same pew will be somebody else says, I got to go because I need to get an answer to the need that I'm going through. And somebody else will go because, well, I just, it's, it's an old habit. Old habits die hard. I just, and it's a multitude of perceptions that all surround the same thing. And today, I, I, I'm just glad that we get to choose our perception. When she said, I, I need a donkey to go to the prophet, the husband said, it's not Sabbath or new moon. And she said, I just got to get to church. My song requires that I get to church. It doesn't matter that things have turned over and it's not turning out the way I thought it would. But somehow, I got to keep singing this song. I read a, an article and I, I've never watched the movie, but I read the article. And in the late 1950s, there was a, there was a, movie that they produced and it was called A Song in the Night Singing in the Dark and it was the story of a a Holocaust survivor who after the war was over and he had escaped from the uh, from the German prisoner of war camp, the death camp he, he came and he immigrated to America but he had a case of amnesia which would probably be a good thing if you had, were a Holocaust survivor but he couldn't remember anything and he came and he, was, he, he got a job working as a hotel clerk in New York City. And one day he was out with some friends and he, they, they gave him a, a drink. It probably was Pepsi or something, I'm not sure. And, and when, after he got to drinking a little bit of that, he started to sing. And he and all of his friends were thoroughly amazed at the voice that he had. It was a great singer's voice. He, he, just, he blew everybody away with his voice and... So because of that, he said, well, you know, I'm going to capitalize on this. And he started going around. He was singing in nightclubs. He was singing in bars. He was, and after a while, he, he was on his way home one night, and he got mugged. And they knocked him over the head. And when he woke up, he had, his memories began to return. 
And he realized that the voice that he had, he got it from his father, who was a singer in, in synagogues. I, I forget what they called them, but he, he was a singer in synagogues. It was a more of a church thing than a nightclub thing, obviously. And after he got his memories back, he stopped singing in the nightclubs and went back to singing in the synagogues. <laughs> and I thought, boy, I've met, I, I know some people that their memories have faded. And they've, and they've gone to singing their song in places where they really shouldn't be. But I, I have a desire, and I, I'm closing here. If you can come play some music or make me sound better, it's fine. I truly believe that there are some people who are caught in places. We have family caught in places. We have friends caught in places where they don't need to be. And our prayer today is, God, I want them to be back here singing their song. Just because I don't hear them singing today, I, I want to hear the song again. I, I want to see them worshiping the way that they used to worship. But if that's going to happen, I believe that we've got to keep the tune going here. When they come through the door, if they're going to join the song, we've got to keep singing ourselves. We, we can't let the fact that they're not here to join with me in song. I would love to worship with all of my old friends who are back. But, but they're not here. So since they're not here, I'm going to worship anyway. So that when they come, they don't have to sing by themselves. But there's going to be a song that has continued from the beginning. And through all of the ups and downs of their experience and mine, there's going to be a continuation of a song. Because when they come back, I want them to know we're, we're still going to be singing the same old song. My trust in Jesus has not wavered just because you can stand. Just because it all hasn't been the way I wished it was. My perception of Jesus has not changed. He is still just as good as ever He was. When our perception of Him changes, that's when we begin to lose our song. Perception is so important that when the devil came to Eve in the garden, he didn't try to perform any magic tricks to change her mind. Instead, he only worked on her perception. Adam said, this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if the day you eat this, God said, you'll surely die. Satan, all he did is work to change her perception. Until when she looked at it, all she saw was that it was good to look upon. It was good to eat. And it was desired to make one wise. And in that change of perception, she made some terrible decisions. And all of humanity fell with her. Because her perception got messed up. And today, I, I don't know any of you hardly. But I'll tell you, your perception is so important that the devil wants to change your perception above everything else. He probably won't change your mind about Calvary. It's an established fact. He probably won't try to change your mind about the Holy Ghost. That's an experience that if you had it, you'd, nobody can change your mind. But if you can ever change your perception of the goodness of God, of how God keeps us and, and, has, and carries us, if He can change our perception of those things, He'll steal our song. And we can't afford to lose our song today. We can't afford to lose our song. Circumstances can't change me. I want to continue to sing regardless of what comes because He's got it all in His hands. And when he said that he would never leave us or forsake us, he really meant it. In Psalms it says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy, joy is going to come in the morning. 
It, it's, it, it can't, you can't make the night longer. It has to come to an end. I remember several years ago I picked up a book and a man was telling the story of going to be an army ranger. And he said that on the very first night of their orientation or their training, whatever, I forget what they called it, but he said that they were all in their beds and in the middle of the night they came and they rousted them out of bed. They made them all go out on the parade ground. He said it was cold. They told them all to lay on their backs on the ground. And he said we, we, we all laid on the, on the ground. He told them, he said, you have to put your hands straight in the air and put your feet straight in the air in an act that they called the dying cockroach. And the drill sergeant told them, he said, we are going to stay here until fully 50% of you get up and leave. You're going to fail. This class is going to be 50% smaller when this exercise is over. And he said he remembers laying there on the ground and listening to the man next to him. He said he began to cry like a baby. The pain in his arms and his legs got so bad. But he wanted to be a ranger so bad. He said he cried like a baby until finally he, he just collapsed and they ushered him off the, the field. And he said, as I laid there in that condition, he said, my arms were hurting, my legs were hurting. But he said, I, I made up my mind to one thing. He said, when I joined up, they told me that this would be 13 weeks long. 13 weeks is all it was. And he said, I told myself they can make it harder, but they can't make it longer. This is painful, and I don't know if I... But they can't make it longer. If I can just hold on through all of these exercises, if I can push through the pain... And I'm going to tell you when David said weeping endures the night, but joy comes in the morning. The devil can make it harder, but he can't make it longer. And if you can survive what you're in right now, there's going to be an end. There's going to be a moment when it's all going to be over. No matter how hard it gets, just remember when it started, God already knew the end. He said he knows the end from the beginning. And while we're in the middle of it, he already has the plan all figured out. And the ending is already there. Just don't lose your song in the middle. It may get harder, but it can't get any longer. Keep singing the same old song. God bless you today. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands to him right now. Come on, let's love the Lord together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've heard a message today. We've heard a message from the Lord here this morning. And I believe that God wants to encourage somebody and he's spoken to somebody's heart that's right here in this room that has been tempted perhaps or maybe even the devil has tried to convince you that if I'll just back off and won't give as much and won't do as much for God, maybe my circumstances would ease up a little bit too. But that's a lie. I tell you that's a lie from the devil because the devil really knows how close you are and how near you are to victory. He wants you to change up your game plan, your practices, what you've been doing, how you've been living. Amen. When victory is really just right around the corner. Hallelujah. You may not be able to see it, but you're closer to stepping over the threshold into what God has. The promises being fulfilled. I wonder if there's somebody right now.